You are listening to Feast Radio, bringing God's love and grace on air. Listen to significant and heartfelt messages you can reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. Come on, put your hands together. Put your hands together. You know, some of you, you need this today. You need to release all the things that have been trapped in your life. Why don't you give Jesus a shout right now? Let it go, all that negativity. Let go of all the stress. One more time, give a shout. Praise God, praise God. I want you to turn to as many people as you can and then just say, I'm happy you're here. I'm happy you're here. Make sure you give them your smile. I'm happy you're here. So good to be in church. Thank you so much, everyone. I want you guys right now to look around this venue. Look around. Look around. This is the first time since we had feast here in PICC where we are almost up to full here in the ground floor. But we still got some room up there to fill up. We got a few people all the way up there. Hello. Thank you so much. Yung mga pinakamalapit kay Lord. So continue inviting people. Continue inviting uh, newcomers to join us here at the feast and we want to welcome also everybody watching online uh, brother Bo if you're watching us today brother Bo is not here by the way but he's got a special message on video brother Bo brother Arun who are in UK um, and everybody else watching all over the world our online attendees thank you so much for joining us today and for putting God first and here's my belief that as you put God first God will also inevitably also put you first you're always first with God and no matter no matter how many people try to bring you down you know the truth is with God you'll always come out on top God will always make a way to lift you up from the stresses of life and because this is the first month of the month of June we're gonna call out the very special people the June celebrants, birthday celebrants, can you lift a hand if that's you? Come on, lift your hands if you're celebrating your birthday in June. Let's give a big hand to them. My wife is there in the back. She's also celebrating it in June. Amazing people were born in June. But here's the gift we want to give you. We want to pray for you if that's okay. Can we pray for them? Lift up a hand towards those who are celebrating their birthday and I want you to believe that the blessing of God is coursing through your hands you are a conduit father we're bringing our hearts together to believe in faith with one heart that you are going to bless this person abundantly extraordinary things are gonna happen in their life and we pray that the greatest gift that you can give them is the gift of your presence, the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit working in their life, enabling them this year, Lord, in the season of their life to do things that they never thought they could do. Power them up so well that when people see them, they would know that you are their sustainer, that you are their God. And so bless them, Lord. Be within their life and make sure that they never leave your presence ever. Heal them, Lord. Provide for them. Anoint them. And then send them out to become blessings in this world. This is our prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people say, Amen and Amen. Somebody shout, Happy Birthday! Happy Birthday to all our June celebrants. Thank you so much. How many people now are joining us for the first time? Can we see the a raise of hands for the first timers? Come on. Let's clap our hands. If you're beside them, tap them on the shoulder and say, Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome to the feast, everyone. We want you to know that this is your family from now on. You know, I want to apologize to some people who are not here. If you're watching online, especially if you came here to PICC, you know, sadly, because 
we are renting PICC as our venue and so we have to follow certain policies and I heard just this morning that uh, there were some people who are not allowed to come inside because they were wearing slippers. PICC unfortunately has a lot, has, has very strict policies when it comes to the dress code and we respect that. Be being one of the organizers here in PICC, we're very grateful that they keep this place safe and very comfortable for everybody. So the next time you come, you, you just have to obey the, the dress code of PICC and they'll let you in. And uh, we, we want to make sure that you're more than welcome to come here. But we have to also play our part because we are um, uh, renting this place. But who knows? Maybe one day, you know, somebody will come up here to, be, to me and say, Brother Odi, bilhin na lang natin PICC. Tapos mag-abot ng cheque. That person might be here. I don't know. We're declaring that. But, you know, we want to thank you for being patient and extra understanding because of the policies that we practice here in PIC. So like I said, you know, Brother Bo is not here today, but he didn't leave us here lonely. He prepared a little video for everybody. So you can actually take your seats first, first for now, and then I'll ask you to stand up as we read the word. Let's show the video right now, everybody. Feast PICC, I am here in London, and with the feast here in London, can everybody wave? All right, Feast PICC, just want you to meet all the wonderful brothers and sisters here. This is not just Feast London, this is Feast Basingstoke. These are people from Germany and Brussels and everywhere else. Uh, we just, we just, uh, I, I just want to tell you, speak to you that, you know, this Pentecost, this holy, holy day of the Holy Spirit, God is doing three things. Number one, stay. Number two, stand. And number three, speak. God will let you stay. God will let you stand. And God will let you speak. First is stay. You've got to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. In our lives, it's a waiting for God's presence to come. And so you've got to keep on staying. Number two, you, you're going to stand. It's going to make you stand. The apostles, they were afraid. They were in hiding. But then when the Holy Spirit came, they straightened their back and they moved out of that room. And so also will you. God wants you to straighten your back, to look up and to have the courage that comes from the Holy Spirit. And number three, God wants you to speak. You're going to speak to the world, the word of God. That's what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit is there. So dearest brothers and sisters in PICC, just wanted you to meet your fellow feasters here in Europe and to let you know that you're not alone. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he wants you to gather. And that's what we're doing. We're gathering around the world and proclaiming the presence of God in our midst. Keep on loving one another. Let the Holy Spirit be with you. My dearest brothers and sisters, thank you so much. God bless you more, and I'll see you next week. Brother Bo is going to be back next Sunday, so if you want to catch him, come, come. Can I invite you to stand up? You know, we're going to do something very special for the next three weeks. We're taking a break from our usual series. We just studied Jonah. And um, we're going to study a, a mini-series called Awaken. Everybody say, Awaken. We're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, this is a beautiful time when we are celebrating the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost Sunday. And the title of our talk today is so good. And I do hope and pray that the Holy Spirit will use this message to convict you, to change you, and to bless you. The title of our message today is this, Reject the Sin. Reject the Sin. Can you tap the person beside you and say, friend, reject the sin. Reject the sin. We are celebrating, like I said, one of the most significant points of... Uh, an event that happened in a Christian's life, and we're talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. You know, 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit came. But if you are a Jesus follower, how many Jesus followers are there here? Jesus followers? You know that this event was not just a random event that happened to you know, a bunch of people back then, but it's an event that's still happening today. 
And it's an event that will continue to happen for years and years to come until the end of our, day, our, our days. Can I ask you this question? How many of you want to live an abundant life? Raise your hand. An extraordinary life. Come on. Because I need you to know this. That there's more to life than just working on a 9-to-5 job. There's more to life than just waiting for that next big paycheck. There's more to life than just waiting for that next, next breakthrough or that next milestone. God wants you to live life and not just life, but life to the full. But how are we going to do that? Ask me how. You need to stop sleeping through life. That's right. Some of us are sleeping through life and we're going through, through life as the word we're alive but we're not really fully alive like you know you, you you do certain things but there's no purpose there's no significance i don't know if you understand what i'm i'm saying but god wants to wake you up that's what he wants to do can you shout this to somebody right next to you i want you to shout this in front of their face and say wake up <laughs> there you go God wants to wake you up from your slumber. He wants to wake you up to His presence. How many of you believe that God is working in your life? If you live through life sleeping, you're never going to know that the Holy Spirit is actually moving in your life. And God wants you to know that He wants to work in your life. We're going to take a page from the book of Acts where in the apostles had recently received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is amazing. Peter was talking to the disciples. And then let's read. Let's put it on screen. It says in verse, uh, in chapter 2 of Acts, if you have your physical Bible, by the way. Oh, sorry. We never prayed. I forgot. Let's say our novena to God's love. (laughs) This is the problem when you're doing solo flight. Okay. I'm usually used to another preacher coming in. Let's say our favorite prayer, shall we, first, before we read the Word of God. Everybody, let's come in the presence of the Lord as we come in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Everybody, raise your hand out. Come on. Say this with me. Today, I receive all of God's love for me. Today, I open myself to the unbounded, limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today I open myself to God's blessings, healing, and miracles. Today I open myself to God's Word so that I become more like Jesus every day. Today I proclaim that I'm God's beloved, I am God's servant, and I'm God's powerful champion. And because I am blessed, I am blessing the world. In Jesus' name, Amen. Everybody, can I ask you to lift up a hand? If you are online, please stand up and we give honor and reverence to God's word as we sing. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Okay, so back to Acts. We are in Acts chapter 2. Verse 38, can we put it on the screen? It says there, Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins. If you've got a physical Bible, I want you to underline those words, repent of your sins. Tell your neighbor right now, repent of your sins. That's right. And then turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then... Jesus says, Peter says, this promise is to you, to your children, and to those who are far away. All who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Can I ask a favor from you? Can I ask you to preach our big message to the person or the people next to you, because I can't reach everybody here. I want you to turn to as many people as you can. And here's the message. Tell them, turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Amen. That's our message for today. And I pray that this is going to bless you. Can I? Let's pray. Bow down your heads. Close your eyes. Thank you, Father, for this message. Thank you for your word. We pray that it would come alive in the moments that we're still here listening and breathing and seeking your wisdom we pray that there would be a resurgence of wisdom 
that would be so practical, that would be so powerful, but above all, would be so personal so that we know that it's me that you're speaking to. Thank you, Jesus. We give you the glory in advance because we know that you are going to bless me and you are going to change me today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Give the Lord a big hand, everybody. Amen. As you take your seats, can you touch your neighbor and say, God is going to speak to you today. I got to wear my mask because my first part is I need some audience participation. Is it okay if I go down here? I want to ask somebody here, how many of you remember the first scary movie that you ever watched? You know, when either you were young or somebody here might not be too young and you, you don't like watching scary movies. I'm going to go to at least both sides, okay? I'm going to look for somebody. Yung mukhang natatakot sa akin. Sister, what is your name? Liza. Can we give a big hand to Liza? Okay, so the question is, first scary movie that you ever watched? Naalala mo, Liza? Okay, can you share with everybody? The Grudge. The Grudge. Oh. Yeah, it's totally revealing her age. How many of you watched The Grudge? Okay, there's not a lot of people. Let me go here to the center. First scary movie that you ever watched. Okay, magalala ha, nag-antigen test ako. Hindi ko lang alam ang resulta. First scary movie. Ito, brother, what is your name? Jude. Jude? Palakpakan natin si Jude, everyone. First scary movie that you ever watched? The, the uh, Emily Rose, I think. Emily Rose. Okay. Exorcism of Emily Rose. Napanood mo yun? Thank you, Jude. One more, one more. I'm actually secretly hoping that some of you will answer Brother Odi, first scary movie that I ever watched, Shake, Rattle, and Roll. <laughs> Yung undin na episode. Naalala mo yun? Okay, one last, one last. Sister. What's your name? Amy. Amy. Palakba natin si Amy. I was about to say Shake, Rattle, and Okay, second na lang, second. Shadow of Dracula. Dracula, okay. Palakpa natin ang mga ating volunteers. Thank you so much. Talagang shake, rattle, and roll, eh, no? Naalala ko yun, yung undin special. I did not use the bathroom for a week without anybody because of that show. Or maybe yung iba sa inyo dito, dito first scary movie, Gabi ng Lagim. The Magandang Gabi Special, right? <laughs> that, that, that was really something else. You know, I remember my very first scary movie that I ever watched when I was young. Let me remove my mask. I was about, I was about six years old, six or eight years old, and I remember this. It, it, was a, it was a movie that completely changed me and not for the good of, of my life. It, it scarred me. The movie was called The Exorcist. How many of you watched that? The, the, the 1973 release. And no, I wasn't born in 1973. I watched it a few years later. The one starring Linda Blair. If I remember, that movie was something else. And you know, I remember my dad made us watch it because my dad had fun scaring us for, for whatever reason. And I remember watching it on the second floor bedroom of our home with my brother and my sister. And we were there. And my parents were downstairs. I don't know why they were downstairs, but we were watching it. And I'm telling you, this was the first time that I cried, I screamed, I puked, and I peed all at the same time. I mean, this movie was terrible. And my dad instantly regretted that decision. Not the moment I watched it, but a month later, when he got the utility bill, because for a whole month, my Meralco, I mean, the, the, the bathroom lights and the bedroom lights were open. So he regretted it when he got the utility bill. 
But you know, that was, that was an experience. And when you're young, you know, you, you, you somehow, you're scared of, of, of the dark, of things lurking in the dark, and you don't understand because there's so many uncertainties. Like, how many of you ever did this? The first time you ever slept in your own room and you had to turn off the lights by yourself, what did you do? You had to have a little countdown, right? The countdown, the three, two, one. The moment you hit one, you run straight to the, to the bed. Did you ever do that? Because you wanted to avoid all the imaginary monsters under the bed, right? You run like Usain Bolt going for the gold. And then in my bed, I had about six pillows in my bed. Not because I was preparing for the global pillow fight or anything like that. I had six pillows in the bed. Why? Because I had to make sure that every corner and every space of my bed was filled with pillows. Why? Because I used to think like this. You know, I had pillow here on the side, here on the side, here on top, here on the bottom. Because I used to think like this, that when a ghost would come, the ghost would like say, ah, na pala dito. Doon na lang ako sa kapitbahay. <laughs> you used to think like that. Like you felt protected because of all those pillows. But it doesn't really make sense. But why am I sharing this? Ask me why. Because evil is everywhere. And that's what we think. You know, evil is everywhere. But let me just speak to you the truth. The evil that we think usually does not always come in the form of monsters or, or ghosts. It doesn't come in the form sometimes of, you know, mananangals or, or white ladies. Hindi ganyan ang evil eh. Evil doesn't always come in the form of, of aswangs. But there is evil that is so dangerous in our world and in our life that it will destroy you. What is this evil thing called? It's called sin. Sin is real. And let me tell you, sin is very scary. And what's scary about sin is that when you look at sin the first time, it's not usually scary. The enemy has devious ways of packaging and presenting sin as though it's sometimes it's not you know, threatening, sometimes it's even attractive. Let me give you examples. Example number one. A few hundred thousand pesos in a brown envelope given to you in secrecy, in the dark of night, without any witnesses, without any receipts. To some people, that's not scary, right? To some people, that's, you know, happy. It's a joyful thing when you receive money in that sense, but you don't know where it's coming from. Another example, uh, a late-night conversation with a married person that's turning a little bit romantic. To some people, it's not scary. Some people, hmm, that's exciting. That's exhilarating. That's adventurous. But that's sin. Another example, a quiet time, spending by yourself in the bedroom or in the bathroom, watching pornography. To some people, it's not scary. It's, you know, arousing, it's titillating. Because sin, sometimes when it's presented to you, it's, it's not really threatening. But when you look at it up close, that's when you feel the danger. And two reasons why sin can be so dangerous. The first one is that you live with sin, sin long enough, you know, it can steal your soul. Little by little. You won't notice it at first. But when you live with sin long enough, it will corrupt you. It will destroy everything that you hold dear. You don't know that all of a sudden, the things that you hold so precious, you're already giving it away. The Bible says this, what does it profit for a man to gain the whole world, but then to lose your very own soul? You might be winning in life right now, but at what cost? What expense? Could it be possible that you are giving up your purity, your principles, your priorities, all of the good stuff that God wants you to protect, but because you, know, you want to get a reward just like Judas who exchanged Jesus, traded Jesus for what? For 30 pieces of silver. What does it profit for you to gain the whole world, to have a good life, but at what expense? You might be selling your soul. The second reason why sin is so dangerous is because it disconnects you from your God. It disconnects you. The flow of God's grace is unable to work in your life. Why? Because of sin. How many of you can honestly say right now that you lost somebody during this pandemic? Raise your hand. Somebody that you, you know of, you lost Thank you so much for being brave enough to raise your hand. You know, during that time, what happened? We saw that death came so close to our homes. For the first time ever, we were seeing death. I mean, here in front of us. And so what happened? We got scared of death. I'm scared of death. But you know one thing that I'm more scared of than death? I'm scared of hell. 
Whether you like it or not, my friends, hell is real. What is hell? Hell is a place where you are completely separated from your God. Remember this. When God created you and me, He created us to be in union with Him. And so hell is that place where you choose, where you are the one choosing to separate yourself from your God. That's what hell is. And hell doesn't have to be a place where you go after life. Hell can happen now. If you're disconnected to the Lord, it feels like it's hell, right? So two things, two reasons, because sin makes you lose your soul. And second, because it disconnects you completely from your God. And I don't know about you, but that to me is scary. Because I want to know how many of you also know this, that you want the goodness and mercy of God to follow you everywhere you go. You want that? Do you want to know that, God, that you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever? That's what we want, to have life with God. Because the truth is, my friends, right now we are in a spiritual battle, a supernatural battle. What is the battle? The battle between good and evil. Right? There are two battles. Battle between good and evil. And right now, this is very relevant, especially with what's happening in our country today. You know, we, we are battling good versus evil. And some of you, this is how we've operated in the last few weeks, you know. You voted for a candidate in the elections. Why? Because you think that that candidate is good. Am I correct? Of course. Why would you vote for somebody who's bad? You vote for somebody who's good. But here's the thing. The moment you put in your mind, ah, I'm voting for this candidate because this candidate is good. It's pure good. Unconsciously, you are treating the other candidates or maybe you know just a few candidates as not so good so now you have a distinction this is good and this is bad are you still with me and so what's happening is that you are creating division in the middle and wherever there is division there is always hostility that's why now all of a sudden it's become me versus them us versus them good versus evil that's why in the last series of jonah we saw how Jonah treated the Ninevites as evil and that he was good. How many of us do that all the time? You know, we see ourselves as good and then we see other people as bad. But here's the truth. And I'm going to preach this to you. In, in the book of Matthew, there was a beautiful parable that was said by Jesus. And this parable was called the, the parable of the wheat and the weeds. In this parable, Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like this. The servant asks the master, the servant says, Master, there are a few weeds growing in the garden where we planted good stuff. What do we do? And then the, and then the, the master says, leave them there. And then the servant says, but shouldn't we pull it out? You know, because they're weeds. We need to pull them out. They're bad, bad plants, bad stuff. And the master says this, if you pull them out right now while they're still young, you know what's going to happen? You're also going to pull out the good stuff. You're going to pull out the wheat. And so what did the master say? Let's wait until harvest time. And then you pull it out. And I'll be the one to segregate what is good and segregate what is bad. Now, how can we relate this to what's happening? In our life today, there is good and then there is evil. Because that's what the Bible is saying, that good and evil coexist together. The wheat and the weeds have to coexist together. But here's where the mistake happens. Some of us, we try so hard to uproot the evil. So we're canceling people. We're rejecting people. We're letting go of relationships. But what Jesus is saying is, that's my job. Your job is to love people, to cultivate the relationship. But when you are done, I'll be the one to harvest and segregate what is good from what is evil. It's not our job. It's the job of Judge Jesus to do that. What is your job? Your job is to love God and love others the best way that you could. So does this mean, Brother Ori, that, you know, I don't, I stop fighting for the good fight. I stop, you know, being the voice for the voiceless. Is, is that what it means? No. Continue to fight the good fight. But after you fight for the good fight and it doesn't win your way, surrender it to the Lord. Because that's His job. A time will come when Jesus will be the one to harvest what is good from what is bad. It's not our job. 
good and evil have to coexist in this world because that's what Jesus is saying. And so we must accept that truth. There are good things in our life. There are bad things in our life. We've got good habits. We've got bad habits. It has to coexist. And we have to make a way and make it possible that we surrender all that to Jesus because he's the one who has full control and full strength. Can I get an amen from everybody? Surrender it to Jesus. Can you tell the person beside you, surrender it to Jesus. He's the real judge anyway, so surrender it to Jesus. I'm going to teach you now the practical stuff. Four practical ways, because we're talking about how to reject evil, rejecting the sin. Four practical ways on how you can reject evil. Would you like to know this? Four ways? Okay. First way, number one. The first step to reject evil is this. You acknowledge the sin. Acknowledge the sin. You admit the sin. That's usually the first step. You know, you come before your God and you say, Lord, forgive me for all the things that I've done, for all my sins, for all my transgressions, for the things that I did and for the things that I did not do that you called me to do. Father, forgive me. That's the first step towards healing when you come before God. That's the reason, you know, why some people are walking in this world bitter and angry. And resentful, why? Because they don't acknowledge that they're broken, that there are some things in their life that they need to heal. I want to, you to remember this age-old truth that I always preach. You cannot heal what you continue to conceal. You cannot heal what you're not willing to reveal. If you want God to heal that, you surrender it to God, you reveal it to God. In fact, I want to speak this to somebody here today. You cannot heal if you're pretending that you're not hurt. Am I speaking to somebody? You cannot heal if you are pretending that you're not hurt. Go to God and then acknowledge that, Lord, I got hurt. Forgive me for thinking all these thoughts. Because, you know, sin, sin usually starts out very, very small. You don't even notice it at first. The other day, my wife was giving me a massage. That's the purpose of a wife, to give you a massage. <laughs> and, she was massaging me with oil, and then all of a sudden she said, Hui, yung likod mo linilibag. <laughs> Being real here, okay? And I'm, and I'm like, Kailangan baka agad linilibag? Hindi ba ba pwede ano lang? Dead skin cells yun. Judgmental ka agad, di ba? And then I said, Bakit? Sino ba naghihilod ng likod ko? Kasi ganun yung pag minamasahe ka, minsan di ba lumalabas na konting dumi. Bakit? Sino ba naghihilod ng, ng likod ko? She was accusing me, hindi daw ako naghihilod. Sabi ko, bakit sino ba kasama ka ba naliligo? Si Ethan, di ba? Pinapaligo ako yun. Hindi ako hinihilod kasi ni Ethan. <laughs> you know, sometimes we, we, we try to point fingers at other people. But that's the truth, you know? Sin often starts out very small. Um, my wife, she, 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 another example of my wife, she uh, had this pestering problem, pestering pain on her hand a few days ago. And she didn't know where it was coming from until she looked at it closely, hidden underneath. And, and you could not observe it until you really looked at it. It was a small wood that was inserted. It was a splinter. And that little thing, my goodness, it was creating so much discomfort. Sin is like that. You've got sin in your life and you've got so many things that you are bothered by but you, know, you don't know what's causing it. That's sin. It's because you've got unresolved issues in your life. You're not able to turn it over to the Lord. Turn it over to God. Acknowledge that you have sinned before God. In fact, you do this wonderful prayer that the psalmist says, Search me, O God, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is anything wicked in me and then remove that. Lead me to the path of everlasting life. That's a beautiful prayer. You come before God every day and then you do your examination of conscience. Lord, how did I fare out today? You know, you, 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 you review yourself and then you come before God and you say, Lord, forgive me for all the things that I've done. And then you start your day, the following day, fresh and renewed. Amen? That's the first step. You acknowledge your sin. Here's the second step. After you acknowledge your sin, you take responsibility for that sin. Okay? Everybody say, take responsibility. Take responsibility. I'm going to read to you something from the book of Genesis. By the way, we're going, to, we're going to study the book of Genesis. After three weeks, you're going to be blessed by this, just as we study the book of Jonah. So Adam and Eve, you both know the story of Genesis, right? The story of creation, where uh, Eve took a bite from that forbidden fruit, and then she gave it to Adam. And then Adam took a bite. But 
something happens. God starts questioning Adam. And then Adam says, because God was asking what happened. And then Adam says to the Lord, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. What was Adam doing here? Adam was blaming the woman, right? But actually, if you think about it, Adam wasn't really blaming the woman. You know who he was blaming? He was blaming God. Because he says right here, the woman you put here with me, it's your fault, Lord. If you did not put her here, my life would be good. I wouldn't be doing anything wrong if not for that woman that you put here. So this is biblical evidence. All the men, raise your hand. All the men. This is biblical evidence that when the going gets tough, the men will always blame the woman. Come on, men, let me hear from you. <laughs> Check out what the woman does. The woman, on the other hand, Eve. So God questions Adam, and then God questions Eve. And then the woman says this. She says, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. Here's the difference. The men will blame the woman. But the woman will blame anybody else except that she will always call that whoever she blames a serpent. <laughs> She'll call that a snake. So that's the difference. But here's the truth. This is proof that we like blaming people, you know, for, for stuff that, that, that did not happen or, or stuff that we did not do. We don't like taking responsibility for our actions. What you want to do is if you want to reject sin, you take responsibility, Lord, it's my fault that this happened. That's one way to remove the sin. In fact, that's the third step. After you admit the sin, after you take responsibility for the sin, now it's your time to remove the sin. That's what you need to do, remove the sin. Can I share a story with you? Once upon a time, there was this man who came to a priest and he was going to hear confession. And he says to the priest, he says, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. I stole three chickens from my neighbor's house. And, and the priest says, Bless you, my child. I absolve you from your sins. For your penance, I want you to say three Hail Marys. And then the man says, Father, um, instead of three Hail Marys, can I say six Hail Marys instead? And the priest, you know, he scratches his head. He says, I'm only asking you to say three. Well, why six? And the man says, Well, Father, because my neighbor has three more chickens. And I'm just wondering, you know, maybe. <laughs> Question. Question, question. Is there repentance in this man's heart? Yes or no? Come on, yes or no? No, right? Because for repentance to happen, there must be a clear indication that you're not going to do it anymore. You know, you, you confess your sins to the Lord and then with, with, with that intention that, hey, Lord, help me out. I don't, I don't want to do this again. I don't want to repeat it again. Because if you don't have that contrite heart, it's not repentance, it's repetition. It's just rhetoric. It's just something that you say out loud. Remove the sin by walking away from the sin. I'll share with you a story from the Old Testament. This is amazing because this is from the book of Exodus. Remember the time when the Israelites were walking away from Egypt? When they were removed from that place of sin? And they have been praying for their freedom for so long. Moses came along and then helped them bridge you know, their freedom. And now they're walking in the desert, celebrating, rejoicing. They were jubilant because for years they were in bondage in Egypt. And then now they're walking in freedom. Even as they encountered the Red Sea, some of them even complained to Moses, you know, we should have stayed in Egypt because now we're going to kill, get killed in the wilderness, in the desert. We might have just stayed there in Egypt. But then God created a passage with the Israelites and then now they were on their way to the mountain of God after two months arriving in the mountain of God where God would give Moses the Ten Commandments in the two tablets. You know the story, right? The two tablets of the commandments of God. Now, something happens before Moses could come down the mountain. In Exodus chapter 32 verse 7, let's read. It says, the Lord told Moses, quick, Go down the mountain for people, your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. 
They have melted down gold and made a calf, and they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Think about this with me for a moment. The Israelites, they were so happy. You would be happy, right? If you've been in bondage for years and then God gave you your freedom. Freedom from, from sickness. Freedom from financial debt. How would you feel? You would be happy, right? You would be saying, praise God. God is good. That's what the Israelites were doing. They were celebrating God's favor. God's faithfulness in their life. But two months later, after crossing the wilderness, they came to the mountain of God. And it took just a few days for Moses to be gone. And then they start creating gods, false gods for themselves. They started going back to their old ways. What is the reflection here? Some of you might have walked away from your Egypt, that place of sin. Not knowing that Egypt was still following you. Think about that. You might have left that place of sin, but could it be possible that sin is still following you? Ask yourself that question. Where is sin following me? In your thoughts, in your patterns, in your responses. Maybe sin has followed you all throughout. You might have been gone from that group of bad influences, but then you still carry that bad habit that you learned from them. Egypt has been following you. You might have left Egypt, but Egypt is still here in your heart. Think about that. Remove the sin from your life. How? By walking away from Egypt completely, both mind, body, and spirit. You remove the sin completely. That's the third step. Admit your sins before God. Take responsibility for that sin, and then finally remove that sin. And now you're ready for the fourth step. The fourth step is usually one of the hardest steps ever. It's called confessing the sin. Confessing the sin. And I know it's hard. Because a lot of us, we don't like talking about our sins. We don't like even looking at somebody in the eye and then telling them what we did. Because we don't want to feel that we're bad people. That we've done evil. And so it's, it's hard. But here's what the Bible says about that. The Bible says something so deliberate in 1 John. It says... If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You know when you confess, confess with your sins, it says that you say it with your lips. That's why in the book of Psalms, it says, I confess my inequity and I am troubled by my sin. But here's my question. Is it okay for me to just confess my sin directly to God? Or should I confess directly to a priest? First of all, I think that's the wrong question. Because why in the world is there a need to put or in the middle? Because the Bible says that yes, you can confess your sins to, directly to the Lord. But the Bible also says that you can confess to one another, right? James says that. James says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That's the reason that, that we have the sacrament of, of penance. In fact, for some of you who are interested in getting confession, we got a confession booth on the second floor. After the feast, you go there. You receive it. We got our priests lined up there. It's on the second floor of the plenary hall. We make it available for you every Sunday so you won't have an excuse not to go. God says you can confess to Him and you can confess to one another. That's the purpose of having a small group. To have trust with one another so that there are people who can pray for you. Confess your sins towards each other. So confess your sins. In fact, in the book of Matthew, I'm about to close, okay? In the book of Matthew, it says that Jesus gave special authority to his apostles. To how? To forgive sins. That's why he says to Peter, Jesus says to Peter, whatever, this was the gospel today. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The same anointing that Jesus gave to Peter. Guess what? Peter handed it down to the apostles. The apostles handed it down to all our ordained priests. I heard this just this uh, last Saturday in our discipleship gathering. Brother Carlos was talking about the grace of God working in our priests. And he said this, 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 this uh, 
the situation. He said, but yes, there are priests who are, you know, not exactly pure good. There are priests who sometimes make, make mistakes and sometimes they're not, they don't have the purest of intentions and sometimes they do things that, that surprise us, that shock us. But he said this, he says that even if the priest is imperfect, the grace of God never changes. The grace of God that they give never changes. And so if you're somebody who thinks that, you know, this priest, I know this priest from before. I grew up with this priest. I know what this priest did when he was young. The grace of God never changes. The grace of God that's handed down from our ordained priest, it's still the same. Just because the person is broken, it doesn't mean that the grace is broken when it's given to you. Grace is full whenever it's handed down to you because that's the gift of God to everybody. Amen. So we confess our sins before our God and we, we recognize that we need God in our life because on our own, we cannot do it on our own. God knows you've tried your best to walk away from that sin, but for some reason, it keeps on following you because you need the Holy Spirit to be the one to strengthen you, to give you that, that, that grace to reject the sin. Can I invite everybody to stand up as we close we're talking about sin and, you know, I've, I've come to know this. How many of you know what it's like to be tempted by the enemy? Saya naman ng iba, hindi alam ko ano yung... Hindi natetempt yung iba dito. You know what it's like to be tempted, right? When, when a, a, a thought holds you captive, when an intention locks down on you it's it's hard to let go of that thing when temptation comes it's so hard but you know let me end with two two ways on how to resist temptation and this is proven because i do this every time god knows the temptations i go through every day but one way that i can try to stop temptation is first is i i recognize the patterns of how temptation works so if i know that this thought will lead me to a temptation, I, I stay away from that thought. If I know that seeing a picture will lead me to be tempted, I try my best not to look at that picture. Because the one way to stop temptation is to, you know, stop it at the source. If you know that there are things that's gonna tempt you eventually, you'll get rid of that. But here's the second way. The second way to resist temptation is for you to tell that temptation to somebody else. I want you to try it out this week. When you are tempted this week to do certain things that you know God doesn't want you to do, I want you to tell that temptation to somebody else. Somebody that you trust, of course. Somebody who won't judge you. Because when you reveal your temptation or your sin to somebody else, what's happening is that that person is becoming accountable to you, but you're also telling the Lord, Lord, I'm no longer giving power to this temptation to control my life. And so you're freeing yourself up for God's grace and God's light to illuminate everything. In fact, it says in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 13, it says, everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes light. When God pours down His grace over that sin, What's happening is that it becomes lighter for you to carry. You're able to manage it now on your own. And it starts by cutting it at the root and then telling it to the ones who are very close to us. So if you've got a spouse, tell your spouse if you're being tempted. Tell your spouse if there's an attraction towards another person. But here's a beautiful advice that I learned from, uh, this is just a, an additional bonus to all the married people. I learned this from a, a marriage seminar conducted uh, by Edric Mendoza and Joy Mendoza. And they said that whenever they, they've got things that they cannot tell one another as married couples, you know, they would do is they would wear, they would change hats. So they, they have what they call friend hat. So they would come up one, across one another and they would say, can I ask you to wear your friend hat for a moment? Because what's happening is that you're changing your perspective. And then they talk about things, you know, there's somebody here who I'm attracted to for whatever reason, I'm interested in this person. But that person is no longer responding. The spouse that's hearing that is no longer responding 
as a wife or as a husband, they're responding as a friend. What should I do as your, as your friend? You change your hats. But it's so important that you have people around you. Do you have people around you that you trust? It's so important that you have people around that you, that you can talk to and that you can, can, can confess to so that when you do that, you're able to resist the temptation. But ultimately, ultimately, and this is how I want to end, ultimately, if you don't have a friend like that, you still have a friend called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your helper. God sent the Holy Spirit to help you out in moments like this. So if you don't have a friend, you know, at the moment at your disposal because you think that this person will judge you, then speak to the Holy Spirit. Pray to the Holy Spirit for strength, for guidance, for mercy so that you can be able to reject the sin. Are you ready to receive the Holy Spirit to work in your life? We're going to pray. Is that okay if we pray? Can I ask you to just bow down your heads? You don't need to do anything right now. Bow down your heads. And I want you to feel the tangible presence of Jesus in this place. The gift of the Holy Spirit is love and generosity and self-control and all these good stuff that can only come from the Holy Spirit. But I want you to just... Open yourself right now to the work of the Holy Spirit that will enable you to reject temptation, reject the sin, and reject evil in your life. God wants you to walk a straight path, but life is crooked. Life is corrupt. And sometimes it feels so impossible and so challenging. Sometimes we feel weak. Sometimes we don't have the strength. Sometimes we don't even have the energy to fight temptation. But thank God that we don't have to do it alone. Thank God that He sent us His Spirit. A Spirit that will help us. That will comfort us. That will encourage us when we need it the most. And so Holy Spirit, do your work on the life of your child right now. Whatever sins are there that they're not able to put into the surface. Whatever sins that are too, too dark and too heavy and too scary for them to even tell and speak out, I pray that you would heal them, Lord. Heal them. Give them the gift of your Spirit that will embolden them and give them the courage, Lord, to finally walk away from that place and start loving you and start serving like you and start becoming like you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now that your presence and your power and your glory would rest on our life. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, and if you receive that prayer, shout Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Subscribe to Feast Radio and open yourself to God's grace. For more podcasts like these, visit feast.ph slash radio.